Good morning again, everybody. Welcome to the online worship services here of the Tuscumbia Church of Christ. I'm so thankful you're here. Thankful that you've got your Bibles with you. I'm sure you do have your Bibles with you. I'm thankful that you have your family with you. And you do have your family with you, of course. I'm thankful that you've already hit the share button to invite all of your Facebook friends to come and be a part of our online worship this morning. Also, I'm thankful that you've probably already put a little notification there on your page to let us know that you are here, that you're present, that you're accounted for, that you're eager now to join with us in the study of the word of our Heavenly Father. These are strange times, aren't they? Because of COVID-19, we fell asleep in one world and then we woke up in another world, a world where we're supposed to show our love for people by avoiding people, a world now where... Is it really the case that, that hugs and handshakes have become weapons? I'm sure that you're joining me in praying to our Father that soon this world that we're presently living in will change, that we're going to wake up and things are going to be a whole lot better. And it's our prayer that that will happen now much sooner than later. This is the sixth Sunday that we've come together in this way. And again, I'm thankful for the technology that allows this to happen. I'm thankful for your perseverance and your patience. But I'm also thankful that because of Christ and because we are his followers, one day we shall fall asleep and we will be awakened in a much better world than this, a world where we will forever be with Jesus, and there will be no more Satan, there will be no more sickness, there will be no more sadness. I'm looking forward to that. Revelation 21 verse 4 talks to us about that future, that world that we'll wake up to one day where all these former things of this life, the bad things, will be passed away and there shall be no more tears. There shall be no more death. There shall be no more goodbyes. Uh, oh, thank you for giving us that, our Heavenly Father. Thank you for being family with me in our journey together to this glorious place. We are marching arm in arm, figuratively, heart in heart to heaven, to a place again where everything will be so wonderful, so perfect. And by us coming together this morning and studying, the Word of God, by us coming together and singing even from our individual homes, by us coming together and giving as we've been blessed and praying and by us coming together and remembering what Christ has done for us, it assists us in maintaining our connection with God, with the Son of God, with the Spirit of God, and with the family of God. We have important work to do 
even during these very strange and uncertain times, don't we? We have an assignment from God, and I'm thankful that you are joining with me and others and fulfilling that responsibility. Speaking of an assignment, there was this atheistic professor. He stood up in front of his students, and he challenged God. And he said, I know there is no God. And if there is a God, I dare you within the next 15 minutes to come and knock me down off of this podium. And the class was silent. They were stunned at the audacity of the atheist. After about 10 minutes... God had still not knocked him off of his pedestal, his platform. And this professor is getting all the more arrogant. And he said, God, you've got just five more minutes and I'm still standing here and I'm proving to all these people that you don't exist. And if you don't come in the next five minutes and knock me down, we'll all know you're a fraud. It's a lie. Class still silent. Professor grinning, so confident there is no God. Well, about that time, one of those students, a strong, big-looking fella, kind of new to the class, actually had been a Marine. He stands up. He walks up to the front. He eyes that professor. He starts running towards that atheist and knocks him down. Atheist is stunned. Takes a few moments for him to gather himself. He stands back up and he says, what do you think you're doing? And that young Marine, he said, God told me to tell you he's too busy right now. But he wanted me to come and do this for him. See, that Marine believed he had an assignment from God to put that atheist literally in his place. May I remind us that we also have an assignment from God. It's not as dramatic as the one that that college student believed he had. We're not probably called by God to be knocking atheists over this morning but we do have important tasks to perform we do have amazing and godly things to be involved in doing when I think about God giving us an assignment my mind just naturally goes back to Moses Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4. You have your Bibles, please turn. By the way, if I say something from the Word and the will of God that you like, you can put amen in the comment section. These walls are probably not going to say amen, I guess. Brother Terry Lenz is in the back. He's an amen kind of guy. Maybe he'll throw one out every now and then. But Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 4. You remember the setting here? Moses has seen a bush on fire. It's not being consumed. He goes over. 
He encounters the voice of God. Take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. And they begin to have a conversation, Moses and his father, our father. And in verse 9 of Exodus 3, we read these words. Now therefore, behold, God speaking to Moses, behold the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh. He's giving Moses a job, an assignment, that you may, you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Well, Moses isn't excited about this assignment. Verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Verse 12, so he said, God speaking to Moses, I will certainly be with you. Well, Moses begins to make a lot of excuses, makes four excuses and God responds to each of them. And then I direct your attention, please, to Exodus 4. Verse 2, a very important question. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? What is in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground. And it became a serpent, became a snake. What's Moses do? He flees. He runs away. Verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, This is an unusual command, assignment. Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. That's the most dangerous part of a snake, by the way. You grab the tail, the head is free to turn around and get you. He reached out his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. He throws a rod on the ground. It becomes a snake. He picks it up by its tail and it becomes a rod again. And if, if that's me, my Moses, for the rest of the time, the rest of my life, I'm around that rod. I'm always going to be a little bit suspicious of what it can do, of what it can become. So the question, maybe the most important question will be asked certainly today, but maybe ever. What is in your hand? What is in your hand? I saw this week what maybe many of you have seen, a very fascinating video illustration. And I want to revise that illustration to kind of fit our purposes as we continue in our study of our assignment from God this morning. But think of these things with me, please. It does matter what things are in our hands. It does matter what we do with these things that are in our hands. And sometimes when you're thinking about an object, it matters whose hands that object is in. For example, 
This is a this is the paintbrush, right? In my hands, this paintbrush is maybe worth a, a dollar or so, and it also could be a disaster, a paintbrush in, in my hands. But in the hands of a fellow by the name of Damien Hurst, ever heard of him? Walls, anybody ever heard of Damien Hurst? In his hands, a paintbrush is worth one billion, that's billion with a B, one billion dollars. This fella is now the wealthiest painter in the world. It does matter whose hands it's in. This is a tennis racket. In my hands, this is worth maybe about, what, $70, $75. But in the hands of somebody like Federer, you remember him, Roger Federer? This is worth about $90 million every year. It does matter whose hand it's in. This, as you can tell, is a basketball. In my hands, it's worth about $50 or so. This one might be worth a little more. It's autographed by Mark Godfrey, Gerald Wallace. Any of y'all remember them? But you put a basketball in the hands of LeBron James, and it's worth about $90 million a year for him also. That's annually. It does matter whose hands it's in. This is a golf club. My hands is worth about $40 or so. But you put this golf club in the hands of Tiger Woods, and it's worth potentially a billion dollars in what he has earned on the golf course and all these various endorsements. It does matter whose hand it's in. This is a baseball. In my hands, this is worth maybe about $5 or so. But there is a fellow named Mike Trout you put this baseball and a bat in his hands, and it's worth about $50 million every year. It does matter whose hand is in. This is a football, as you can see. In my hands, maybe $40 or so is its value. This one might be worth a little bit more because it's signed by Gene Stallings. You remember him? But in the hands of somebody like Tom Brady, this is worth about $100 million every year. It does matter, doesn't it, whose hands it's in. Can you tell what this is? This is a knife. This is a knife from overseas. In my hands, it's a nice souvenir. In my hands, something like this might actually be a hazard. But in the hands of somebody like our friend and surgeon, 
Ryan Connor. It could be an instrument to save lives. Now, I'm assuming he doesn't use this kind of knife, but you understand the point. Of course, thinking about what's in our hands, we also, we got hand sanitizer in our hands. We want to keep that out there in our minds. So we got all these things in our hands that have value depending on our ability to use them. To use them well increases the value. Use them kind of poorly decreases the value. But again, it just really matters whose hands these items are in. If you gave me a, a slingshot, it'd be like a little toy for me. But you put that same slingshot in the hands of David and it becomes a powerful instrument from God to destroy a loudmouth Philistine giant. You put two fish and uh, five hush puppies in my hands and that's a lunch, maybe with some leftovers. You put that same two fish, five loaves in the hands of Jesus and it becomes an all-you-can-eat seafood buffet for over 5,000 people with massive leftovers. And then you put, you put a couple of nails in my hand and uh, I can probably hang two pictures with these nails. But you, you put two nails in the, in the hands of, of Jesus, what's that worth? That's worth our eternal salvation. Where we really can go to a place where hugging is allowed again. We can go to a place where there's no more virus, no more demon, nothing bad is there. No more death, no more goodbyes, no more separation, no more tears. It does depend on whose hand these items are in. In our 2020 focus for this year, 2020. It's, uh, it's been altered a little bit, hadn't it, by the circumstances that are surrounding us now. But I want us to get back to focusing on the stick for just a few more moments. The stick that, uh, that Moses had in his hand. This, uh, this stick here, this is not, just in case you're wondering, this is not the stick that, that Moses held that day. It's not that rod. But it is a, a stick that's kind of important to me. I was in a, in a boat years ago with Herbert Norris, and we weren't catching fish, but I caught a stick. And this is a stick that's been cut and debarked by... A beaver or beaver families and I ask Herbert, can I keep it, take it with me? 
And he said, sure, kind of odd to him, that request, I guess. And I've kept this up in my office now for many years. And for me, it's just kind of a, a keepsake, a reminder of a beautiful day out on the Tennessee River with a, with a precious friend. But you, you, you take a stick like this and you put it in the hands of, of Moses. And it becomes God's instrument to do some rather amazing things. In the hands of Moses, this stick becomes a snake. You see, for me, it's something I might use to, to, to try to beat away a snake. But in Moses' hands, it becomes a living snake. In Moses' hands, it becomes God's instrument to, to launch several miracles. Uh, when, when, when Moses extended the rod that was in his hand, when he used what God had given him, uh, frogs appeared, lice appeared, water turned to blood, locusts showed up. When, when Moses extended what was in his hand, the, the Red Sea opened up. He extended it again, and the Red Sea closed up. He took this rod, and he hit a rock, and water came out of a rock. When he obeyed God, when, when Moses used what was in his hand, there were tremendous blessings. This stick, of course, it revealed Three things about Moses, pretty important. Told us something of his identity, something of his influence, something of his income. This identified him as a shepherd. It told us that his, that his income is all about these sheep. He didn't have a bank account. He didn't have a, a, a nest egg somewhere. He had these animals. That's, that's the bank. But then this stick also, this rod tells us something about his influence. He used it to, to move sheep, to protect sheep. He would poke them with it. He'd pull them with it. It was a way to change their behavior, change their location. So the stick told something about his identity, his income, and his influence. And the things that we hold in our hands often reveal something of our identity, our income, and our influence. For example, we hold money, right? We hold money in our hands. And, and money, in our way of thinking, it can, it can give us access to the good life. We got money, we got the good life. The good life means we, we, we look good, we, we feel good, and we're having the goods. But actually, the good life isn't wrapped up so much in money, but it is, it's being good. It's doing good. That's the good life. Our value is not based on our valuables. Our value is based on our values. Our value is not based on our valuables, but on our 
values. Our values are, at least in part, determined by what we have in our hands and by how we use these various things. And God has given us some powerful tools, things he has placed in our hands. And by the appearance of some of these things, we really cannot determine just how great they are, just how powerful they are, just how treasured they are to be. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 tells us, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have, we have treasure in us. We have treasure with us. Excellent treasures. Powerful things from God. Not to demonstrate our superiority or our grandness, but to demonstrate the power, the excellency of Almighty God. We have treasures, literally, we have treasures in our hands. For example, back to our question, what do you have in your hand? One thing we all have or should have in our hands is a towel. A towel, a symbol of our service. God has given each of us opportunities to make life better for other people. Remember John 13, Jesus gets a towel. He washes feet. After he does that, he says, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. In our hands today, we have a towel. We have an opportunity to serve one another. It does matter, doesn't it? Again, whose hand this is in and how we're going to use it. Something else in our hands we've been given. We've been given a Bible. We've been, we've been given an all-powerful Word of God. We are to read this. We are to love this. We are to embrace this. We are to share this with as many people as we possibly can. This also is in our hands to be used to the glory of God. Something else many of us have had or continue to have in our hands. This is a baby. This baby happens to be dressed up as a little cow, but it's a baby. And God has given many of you, many of us little babies in our hands, in our hearts. And these babies were given to us by God to bring up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. They're in our hands in a sense for a short time, but in our hearts forever. And we are to train and to restrain. And every day we're to be doing things with these babies in our hands and our hearts to help make sure that they make it to heaven and that they also learn from us to use the things in their hands to the glory of God. Well, this one is now singing a song. 
because I pushed a button or something. I'll throw this to one of our elders. That's not a real baby that I just threw the elders. You get the idea. We've been given a towel to serve in our hands. We've been given a Bible to use. We've been given babies, not to throw around, but to take care of. We've also... Many of us have been given amazing technology in our hands, and we've been given a cell phone. This is an amazing computer. We can take pictures with this. We can check our calendar with this. We can tap into libraries all around the world and, and, and learn great things, and we can share great truths. We can, we can send information. We can receive information literally from all over the planet. And this is in our hands, obviously, because we're the children of God, to use these instruments for good. We can use this little keyboard on there to, to tell people about God, to tell people about his church. We can even use a device like this in our hands to worship online during this crazy time of social distancing and pandemic. What's in your hand? Cell phone, Bible, towel to use to the to the glory of God, and we got uh, we got some other things that uh, I'll get to in just a moment. I want you to think about this before we close up. Aren't there maybe at times some things in our hands that we hold on to that we shouldn't hold on to? Things we need to let go of things that we're, we're keeping in our hands too long. What about this? This is a fork. <laughs> How much weight have we gained during this time of socializing? What's your budget look like? Talked about money earlier. Spent zero dollars on entertainment. Spent zero dollars on gasoline. Spent zero dollars on clothes. Spent about $5,000 on food. So, got to be careful. Taking care of the body as best we can. Something else in our hands that maybe we can hold on to too much. We maybe need to let go of. This is a remote control. I found it, surprisingly. We got to be careful. Got a lot of downtime. Need to make sure that we're watching things that we'd be willing to be watching if Jesus is sitting right there on the couch with us. Got to be careful. Not to get obsessed with things, get addicted to things that uh, can affect our, our view, can, can uh, ha have us maybe in our mind trivializing the seriousness of sin, sinful behavior. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, how about this? Thinking about things we can hold on to too long that maybe we need to let go of. This is an axe that I'm holding in my hand. Let this be representative of grudges that we could hold on to too long. You got any axes to grind with somebody? And, and we just hold on to those harsh feelings. It's kind of like, like drinking poison and expecting it to hurt the other person. Holding on to this axe, grinding on this, this grudge, it can destroy us. And there comes a time when we just need to need to let go and and let God right so there are things that God has given us to use to his glory that he's put in our hands let's be sure that we use those things let's not 
spend too much of our energy focusing on what we don't have in our hands as compared to what others do have in their hands. So the question again, powerful question I think, what is in your hand? What's in our hands? Given to us by God. And what are we doing every day with those things, with the towel, with the Bible, with the cell phone, with our babies, and, and many other things, right? We've got so many talents in our hands and gifts and wisdom and eloquence and creativity and kindness and education and technology. Interesting thing, when, when, when Moses obeyed, good things happened. When he, when he threw it down, when he stretched it out, it's then that it became alive. And it's when we use these objects that are in our hands, when we obey God, it's then that at the end of this rod, at the end of those blessings that God has given us, good things happen. They happen here and they have a, a lasting impact throughout the hereafter. So let's do good with what's in our hand. Let's understand that sometimes the comfort zone is not the best place for us to be. I want to close by reminding you again a couple nails in, in my hands and yours not worth so much. But the spikes that went into the hands of Christ, it means that today you and I can be saved from all sin, from the eternal consequences of our sin. It means we don't go to hell and we go to heaven. What's that worth? Priceless. Priceless. Jesus, Jesus loved us. He, he, he loved us. He loved us this much. And they nailed him to a tree. And because of that love, we now have great things in our hands, in our hearts. None got none. Everybody got something good to use to his glory. Again, I ask you to think, what is in your hand? And when we think about what was in his hand, and what that means to us, surely that prompts us every day, everywhere, around everybody to use the gifts, the treasures that we have to the glory of God. Are you a follower of Christ? If not, Jesus has told us that we need to believe in him. Mark 16, 16. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Jesus has also told us that we need to repent. That word repent means to change. It means a change of mind that results in a change of life. It means I'm going one way away from God and I turn back and I, I head for home. I head to my Father. Luke 13, 3, Jesus said, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Read that. He also has told us that we need to confess our belief in Jesus. The opposite of what that atheist professor in the original illustration this morning was willing to do. He denied the existence of Jesus. We acknowledge, we testify that Jesus lives. 
He, he told us to do that. Matthew 10, 32 and 33. He told us if we deny him before men, he'll deny us before the Father which is in heaven. But if we'll confess him before men, he'll confess us before the Father in heaven. So we confess him. We say we believe Jesus is the Son of God. Again, every day, everywhere, around everybody. We've also been told by Jesus, you must be born again of water and of the Spirit. He said that to us through Nicodemus, that conversation. John 3, verse 3, verse 5, verse 7. Want to see the kingdom of God. Want to enter the kingdom of God. We must be born again of water and of the Spirit. That's what those about 3,000 did in Acts chapter 2. And we need to do the same today. What's in your hand? So much potential for good. No excuses. No excuses. Let's use what we have been given and let's make life better for ourselves, for those in our circles of love and influence, all to the glory of God. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for giving us so many gifts in our hands, in our hearts. Thank you for the towel of service. Thank you for the word of God that's in our hands. Thank you, God, for the children, the babies you've given us to raise. Help us to get that right. Father, thank you for all the tools, all the resources. Help us, Father, to understand whether it's a, a cell phone or a keyboard or whatever we've been given. Help us to be creative. Help us to be persistent in discovering ways to use these treasures to bless others, to make our world a better place, to represent you well, to glorify you to the best of our ability. Father, thank you for allowing evil people to put nails in the hands of Jesus. And with those nails, we understand our eternity, our salvation was purchased. We can't put a price on that. But Father, help us to be thankful. Help us to be obedient to the one who put those nails in his hands. Because in deciding to come here, he did that to himself. Nobody, nobody forced him to do. No, no mere nail can hold God to a tree. It was love that held him there. It was our sins that made it necessary. And now, Father, help us to respond with gratitude, with amazing obedience. Forgive us, please, Father, the times that we have sinned. Forgive us as we repent. Forgive us as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to study your will and your word together today. Help us now to be determined to apply the principles we've examined. In Jesus we pray. Amen.